Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor at Northwood right here in North Charleston, South Carolina. And I am so thankful that you are taking the time today to listen to this message. And I do hope and pray that what you are about to hear encourages you, blesses you, helps you to understand the Word of God better, and most importantly, reminds you of how much the God of all creation loves you. I think today's message is going to be a blessing to you. So thank you for listening. And if you're in the North Charleston area, we would love to have you on our campus any Sunday morning at either 9.30 or 11 o'clock. If you're not in the North Charleston area, you can always find us on the web, northwoodbaptist.com. You can visit our YouTube page. You can visit our Facebook page. You can live stream us every Sunday morning at 9.30 or 11. We would love for you to be our guest, either on campus or online. So you're welcome to join us anytime you'd like. We'd love to have you. I do hope that today's message is a blessing and encouragement to you, and I hope that today's message helps you connect faith to life. Good morning, church. You're looking good out there. Hey, I want to, first of all, thank you on behalf of uh, Vicki and me for everything. Thank you for being the kind of church who understands that Charleston Southern University is perhaps your most significant mission field. We, we saw evidence of that today. I want to thank you, church, for uh, discipling and growing faculty, staff, administrators, students, alums. Thank you. Because while we uh, love the 47 and a half minutes we have uh, for chapel every Wednesday, right before fried chicken Wednesday, it can never be a substitute for a local body of believers committed to the gospel, committed to having having every single one of us, and I use that uh, uh, word on purpose, every every single one of us under the consistent preaching of the word of God by a pastor who loves the Lord Jesus Christ with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, understands that the scripture is infallible and sufficient for everything that we need. And uh, I've just come on behalf of uh, Vicki and me to say thank you. There perhaps is no other church in this community that has, uh, no, has as much influence on our campus that you do. And I pray that that influence will continue to increase. And so thank you very much. If I mention the name to you, uh, Herman Ebbinghaus, uh, chances are you've never heard the name. And even if you had heard the name, chances are you would have forgotten it by now. Because in the 1880s, He came up with a scientific theory, which has now been validated many times over, that he refers to, referred to as the forgetting curve. The forgetting curve is something that all of us are familiar with. If you have ever been unable to find your keys, you are familiar with with the forgetting curve. 
If you have ever found yourself uh, right before you're timed out on some website, if you've ever uh, found yourself not being able to come up with that very last password uh, because the, the other 27 didn't work, then you understand the forgetting curve. If you have been an accounting major or an engineering student who has spent the summer at the beach and then you showed up for the first day of class and your professor says to you, now, um, b- before we get started, you know, uh, how many of you remember calculus back from the spring? And nobody raises their hand. And so the poor professor has to spend the first two sessions of class reviewing calculus for you. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you are sitting perhaps on your couch and you have this epiphany? And in that moment, you have, you, you're, it's, it's as if you're called into the next room to go get something. A specific object that could not be clearer in your mind in that moment. You get up from the couch, you walk eight paces, and as soon as you find yourself in the middle of that room, you say to yourself, what in the world am I doing here? I know I came in here to get something, but I can't remember what that thing is. Well, there's a scientific name for that too. It's called the doorway effect. And the doorway effect is something that your brain does because it, it, can, it can seem overwhelmed and overcome. And so something about crossing through that doorway, when you go from a place of familiarity to a place that it seems like you've never been before, your brain, by way of the doorway effect, resets itself. So contrary to your spouse's opinion of you, you have not lost your mind. It happens to every single one of us. More importantly than what happens in the physical realm, it happens to us spiritually as well. And one of the things I love about the Bible is the way that God consistently seems like he reads my mind and he has read my mind thousands of years before. How did he know that I and every single one of my friends have this tendency, this proclivity uh, to forget the things that are most important in life, to to, to forget um, uh, who God is and what he's done in my life, to forget that uh, so that I can pursue other things that are less than God. But if you turn nearly every single page of the Bible, that's exactly what you see. Why does God begin the book with, in the beginning, God? Because he knows that we, we want to come up with some other explanation for how all this stuff got here. But he reminds us, no, in the beginning, God. Why does Moses start the story way back there and as he tells the story and he tells it multiple places he always goes back to let me remind you who God is and what he has done because I know how forgetful you are you see the same thing 
when Peter preaches the first sermon at on Pentecost, he, he goes uh, far back to the beginning of the life of Christ and he explains to the people how what they have done to Jesus is part of prophecy. A couple chapters later in the book of Acts, Stephen uh, goes all the way back uh, to the people of God coming out of Egypt and takes an entire chap- chapter and explains, walks them all the way through their history. And every bit of their history um, is a reminder that they are a forgetful, pe- forgetful people. And today we look in Psalm 106, which has been assigned to me by my pastor <laughs> to preach today. And the title of this message is Maybe the most important title that any of us could ever imagine. Don't forget to remember. As is our tradition, I ask you to please stand if you're able. And we're going to read just the first six verses of Psalm 106. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, somewhere near you, in the front of your chair, um, in your chair, there's a book rack. You get that Bible and turn to page 865 and you will find Psalm 106. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? Blessed are they who maintain justice, who constantly do what is right. Verse 4. Remember me, O Lord. When you show favor to your people, come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. And then verse 6 We have sinned. Even as our fathers did, we have done wrong and acted wickedly. You can be seated. I see in this passage five principles, in some cases precepts, that God has given us for us to to remember who God is, what he's done, and who we can be to the extent that we remember who God is and who we can be as a result. On your outline, the first thing that I would ask you to to jot down there is this. Start at the start by praising the Lord. Now, in my Bible, Psalm 106, which has 48 verses, On this page of my Bible, there is only one verse. Psalm 106.1 is on this page, and I have to turn the page to see verses 2 and following. Now, if if you're like most people, if, if frankly, if you're like me, you hesitate just a little bit when you see this first verse. Praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Now, a good chunk of me 
wants to wait and see what happens next. A good chunk of me wants to hesitate just a bit because what I'm saying to myself is, now I'm not sure that I can praise the Lord until I find out what he's going to do for me. Until I, I recall what he's already done for me. And the idea that, that I'm going to go ahead and, and, and praise the Lord knowing that, that he might do something in and through my life that might be uncomfortable for me or might be inconvenient for me um, or, or might feel like persecution to me is what sometimes causes me to hesitate. I'm just here to give you the message we start at the start by praising the Lord and it doesn't matter what comes next. It doesn't matter what God has in your life next. All that matters is that in the beginning God and he is worthy of our praise regardless. You see here in verses one and two, praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And then he asks a very significant question. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? That's a good question because my hunch is that some of you might uh, be saying to yourself or perhaps you have said to yourself that I am unworthy to be the kind of person who could uh, give praise to the Lord. And if you hear nothing else that I say today, here's, here's what I want you to, say, to, to, to remember. I'm going to say, I'm going to say this over and over and over again in many different ways, but I want you to remember this, that God is worthy of your praise regardless of what you think of your own worthiness. God is worthy of your praise regardless of what you think of your own worthiness. And oh, by the way, the only way you can ever be worthy anyway is if you are trusting uh, in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ who wants to forgive you of your sins if you will allow him to do so. So who can proclaim the mighty act of the Lord? I see at the end of verse 3. Those who constantly do what is right. Well, I got to tell you, that ain't me. That's not me. I'm not one who constantly does right. Yes, I am one, as I I suspect you are one, who wants to follow Jesus Christ, who wants to be a legitimate Christ follower, who wants to be disciplined uh, and and follow him in all kinds of ways, one who fails uh, all the time. I'm not one who constantly does right, and, 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 and I'm drawn then to Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3 on your outline there. Let me read this portion. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, and whatever he does prospers. Now, that word prosperous jumped out at me. It jumped out at me when I read verse 5 in Psalm 106, and it jumps out at me here. And if you look in verse 5, you you will see three phrases that are joined together. And in each of these phrases, what you will see is both a result and a relationship. You'll see a relationship and then the result that follows that relationship. Let me show you what I'm talking about here in verse 5. 
Notice that the psalmist says that I may enjoy the prosperity. That's the result of your chosen ones. Your chosen ones is the relationship. In other words, if you are a child of God, by definition, you are worthy to give him praise because God himself has chosen you. He has called you to himself. And if you respond as whosoever will, Your identity is not who you think you are. Your identity is who God says you are. Notice also the next phrase. We get to share in the joy of your nation. The relationship is being part of his nation. And the result is joy. You know the difference in happiness and joy. Happiness, we, we, we feel because it rises and falls based on happenstance, those circumstances of our life. But joy uh, happens all the time uh, if we can understand completely that Jesus Christ is Lord of our life uh, and saved us from our sins. And the third phrase there I'd simply point out is this. This one's reversed. Join your inheritance in giving praise. In this case, being part of his inheritance is the relationship that you have with him. And the result is that you get to give praise. God is worthy. You are not. And even those of us who are doing our dead level best with the help of the Spirit of God to follow him completely, In our unworthiness, he has made us worthy. And we start at the start by praising the Lord. Notice secondly here, the second outline point I would give you is this. Confess your sins to the God who forgives you. Confess your sins to the God who forgives you. Look at verse 6. We have sinned. Now, in my Bible, I underline those three words. We have sinned. Because you know why? We have sinned. We have sinned even as our fathers did. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. An interesting thing about this psalm that, I, that, I, um, that I've seen in the last couple of weeks is this. If you've ever been in a discipleship course or if you've ever uh, had somebody uh, teach you how to pray, you know, J- Jesus is there one day and his disciples come to, come to him and, and they say in so many words, Jesus, you seem to know a whole lot about praying. We know this because you do it all the time. And then he gives them what we now know as the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer goes through what some have called the ACTS, A-C-T-S acrostic. If you've been in church very long, you've seen A-C-T-S. A is for adoration. We start by praising the Lord. C is for confession. We come to God knowing that he is worthy and we are not. And we confess those sins in our life uh, that, that he wants to forgive. But he wants us to acknowledge those sins before him. And the T is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is when we come to the throne of grace and we sit there for a while and we say to God, God, um, as I've been thinking about this thing, uh, I have so much uh, to be thankful for that we're going to be here a while. Uh, and, and, and the Lord Jesus says, well, I thought you'd never come. 
And there we give him thanks and praise for all that he's done for us. And so um, in this passage, we've already seen adoration. We see here now confession. Uh, We've also seen supplication because, uh, and we'll see it again later, but because the psalmist says, remember me, O Lord. When you start doing good stuff for people, remember me too because I'm part of your inheritance um, and your nation. Remember me. But from verses 7 to 46, as we'll see here in just a second, It's a whole bunch about uh, the people of God confessing the fact that they have not been thankful. They have not been grateful for all that God has done. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And in this second point on the outline here, we confess our sins to the God who forgives us. I'll also point out that there is a a general sense of confession. Yes, God, I have sinned. And God says to us in so many words, yeah, I knew that. I can see that. And that general confession of, oh, I've I've done wrong, um, is kind of like the prayer that most of us learned as a kid. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That, 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 that's a good prayer, but it, 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 it's a general kind of prayer. And see, what God does first is he wants us to acknowledge that we are, in fact, sinners, but he doesn't want us to stop there. He wants us to recognize that the general confession is a good start, but revival can only happen when the particulars and the specifics are confessed. He wants us to confess our sins to the God who forgives us. Look on Romans 3, verses 23 to 24 on the outline there. For all have sinned, And fall short of the glory of God. And are justified freely by his grace. Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You see the the fact is that every single one of us have sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. And he has paid the way for us to be forgiven by by all of those sins. By virtue of Jesus Christ who was perfect and sinless and lived that sinless life and died on the cross for our sins was raised back to life and now sits at the right hand of the father interceding for you and for me begging us to get right with him and the third point in the outline follows from the first two remember the god who remembers you. Remember the God who remembers you. Now, if you go through this passage, what you will find here is a pattern in the psalmist's words that might very well match the pattern in your own life. What we see is a God who remembers us and what we see at the same time is a people who forgets God. You see, what we say to God all too often is, God, what have you done for me lately? 
What have you done for me lately? And God then, as he always does, as he does here, he says, well, let's just review for a moment, shall we? And he goes back to the beginning and he starts and he lays out the case because he doesn't want his people to forget. You notice in verse four, the psalmist says, remember me, O Lord. But then look at verses seven and eight. When our fathers were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Verse eight, yet he saved them for his name's sake. What I want you to do, if you are an outliner in your Bible, and I understand why you aren't, it's a special Bible because your grandmother gave it to you and you think you'll mess it up. I understand that, that's okay. But if you are, what I'd ask you to do in this moment is underline the words for his sake. Why does God do everything he does? First and foremost, he does it for his sake. It's exactly why we should do what we do. We step up to the plate and we live our lives for the glory of God because in this universe, the most important thing, the thing that matters most is that God gets the glory that he's due. And so what he does, he does for his glory. On the outline there, look at verses 12 and 13. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise But they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his counsel. You see, we have a, what have you done for me lately, God? Yeah, I know you did all that other stuff, but what have you done for me lately? Because our entire life is nothing but a continuous forgetting curve followed by the doorway effect. We go from church and we walk out the door of this church and all of a sudden we are tempted to forget everything that we've heard uh, in this church and we go into the world and we live differently than, what the, than the way God would have us to live. Don't forget to remember. You know, there's, a, there's an old song from the old Baptist hymnal that some of you, if you have gray hair or no hair, You will remember that old uh, uh, red-covered Baptist hymnal, and you might go to to, 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 to hymn 231, and at the top of hymn 231, you'll see these words, count your blessings. You remember that, Trey remembers that old song. (laughs) He probably wrote it. But the first verse of that old song is amazing. And it goes like this. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed and you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and here's the best part, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. You remember last week uh, in, in Psalm 103, uh, Pastor Tommy preached that, that, that amazing verse that I've included uh, on this outline from verses 2 to 5 in Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, 
who forgives and heals and redeems and and crowns you with love uh, and satisfies. And then we have the nerve uh, through the doorway effect to go, yeah, God, I know all the stuff that you uh, have done for me in the past, but what about today? It's in this moment when I have persecution, when I have challenges, when I have have stress uh, and things happen in my life. It's in these moments that that God sovereignly and graciously reminds me of Colossians 1 uh, verses uh, 16 uh, and 17. In which God reminds me that he, Jesus Christ, is the glue that holds all things together. Jesus Christ is in every single atom of your body, every single atom of that chair you're sitting on. He's in, he's in every molecule of air that you breathe. Uh, he's in every beat of your heart. He's in every um, ounce of your blood that courses through your brains. Um, not your brains, it does that too, uh, but, but through your veins. Jesus Christ um, is every second of your life. What has God done for you lately? Everything. You see here in this passage, he asks us to remember the God who remembers you. Look at Psalm 103, 13 to 18 there on the outline. The Lord remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. Its place... Again, the word remembers it no more, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and remember to obey his precepts. It's why he gave, Moses gave Deuteronomy chapter six, in which he says, guys, parents, you have got to talk about this all the time. Because just like you are a forgetful person, if you don't train up your child in in the way he or she should go, trust me, when he or she's old, they're going to forget it. Forget not all his benefits. I I used to live in England. A couple years, Vicki and I lived in England with the U.S. Air Force. By the way, today is the 75th birthday of the United States Air Force. Today. The problem with living in England is, uh, is not just the weather. That is a problem. The problem in living, with living in England is that I learned to drive in the U.S. Now, I took driver's ed, and I had my first few driving years in the U.S., um, and uh, you get in uh, this side of the car, and you sit down, and you drive on this side of the road. And so for um, a dozen, 15 years or so before I got to England, um, I would always walk over to this side of the car. There used to be a day when you had an actual key, you had to stick in the door and turn it to get in the car. I would do that. I'd open the car door. I'd sit down. I'd close the door and I would drive away. That was muscle memory for me. And I got to England You had to go to the other side of the car. Same process, stick the key looks the same, the lock looks the same, go in there, open the door and this and that and you you sit down and and you drive away, but you drive on the other side of the street. After I'd been there even two years, I found myself, for some odd reason, 
on the passenger side of the car. And on a couple of occasions, I got in and sat down. And there was no steering wheel. Because it's over there. It's muscle memory. And there were a couple of occasions I'd find myself at the door trying to unlock it. And I realized what I was doing. And I looked around to see if anybody saw. (laughs) You see, God wants us to remember. And he reminds us to remember because he knows that our tendency is to forget. Number four on the outline. Be in the world, but not of the world. This is what Jesus said to us in John chapter 17. Look on the outline, verses 14 and 15 there. In the desert, they gave in to their craving. In the wasteland, they put God to the test. So he gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease upon them. You see, here's the message here. You will have cravings to do all kinds of things that are inconsistent with who God wants you to be and who he's called you to be. And those cravings will be there and you'll be tempted very often to give in to them. And God reminds you that if you give in to them, you might have a momentary sense of satisfaction, but there is nothing in that momentary sense of satisfaction that will ever satisfy you the way Jesus Christ satisfies you. It's been said many times, there's a God-shaped hole in every one of us, and we try to fill it with all kinds of idols. Verses 7 through 46 in Psalm 106 is a recitation over and over and over again of the people of God saying, God, you're not enough. You seem too far away. I want to hang out with these people because these people give me approval. And here I can enjoy material things and status and power. Um, And I can do all kinds of things here. um, And and I get immediate feedback here. And God, I'm going to let you do your thing over there. And I'm going to stay here. What God says to us, you can live that way if you want to, but you will never be satisfied. And so what I would ask you to do at some time this week. Read this entire psalm. If we had time, I would, I would read to you the things that I've underlined. And there are many things in every time here that you, say, you read something that says, worshiped an idol, verse 19, exchanged their glory for an image of a bull, uh, in verse 20. Ask yourself, how are you in your life in 2022 doing the exact same thing with other things in your life? Look at the outline, Jeremiah 2, verses 11 to 13. But my people have exchanged their glory for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, O heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. In other words, we have forsaken God, we have forgotten God, and we have decided that our way is better than his way. And that might work for you for a while, but it won't work for you for long. 
and you will pay the piper. So why not in this moment decide that rather than living for an idol for your satisfaction, why not live for God instead? The last thing, number five, end at the end by praising the Lord. You know, if you look at verse one and then verses 47 to 48 in this passage, they are borrowed from 1 Chronicles chapter 16. And 1 Chronicles chapter 16 is when David finally is being crowned the king and the ark of God had been in another city for way too long. And David decides that the only way that this nation can be what God wants it to be is if they go and get that ark, that representation of the presence of God, they go get it and they bring it to Jerusalem and they set it there and they're reminded in that moment of who God is. And so the words that we read in Psalm 106, verse 1, and the words that we are about to read in Psalm 106, verses 47 and 48, came from that passage. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say amen. Remember in verse 8 when I told you to underline, yet he saved them for his name's sake? Look at verses 44 and 45 before we close. But he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake. He remembered his covenant, and out of his great love, he relented. You see the contrast there in verse 8? He does it, he remembers his covenant for his sake. But he also remembers his covenant for your sake. That's who God is. Start at the start by praising the Lord. Confess your sins to the God who forgives you. Remember the God who remembers you. Be in the world, but not of the world. And end at the end by praising the Lord. Just as we praise the Lord not knowing what was going to come next at the beginning. We praise the Lord at the end knowing what has come before. The good stuff, the bad stuff, because we know that all of that stuff is a gift from God to us who is more interested in our holiness than he is in our happiness. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you have allowed us to 
become part of your nation and part of your people. We are a part of a, a kingdom of priests and a, and a holy nation, and we are aliens and strangers in this world, and you've called us to live differently so that our neighbors can see our, our lives and say, I want to uh, know the God that you know. And so, Father, I pray that in this moment, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice today who might think that there is something that they have done in their life or something that they've not done in their life that puts them out of your reach, that makes them unworthy of your salvation. God, I pray that you would uh, speak to them in this moment and that they would remember that we can end at the end by praising the Lord because you are God and we are not and you've called us to be part of your family and God, may that happen in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.